Hello, and welcome to another Rambles episode, episode 6, Crisis Mode, or rather, what to do when shit hits the fan. (laughs) It has been too long. It has been a while since my last episode. I think it's been a few months, and uh, there has just been so much going on on my side, and I want to thank you so much for being patient. But nonetheless, um, I've been thinking about how to approach my my episode, this episode, and um, I wanted to figure out a good way of updating you about what has been going on. But I wanted to also do it in a way that was um, helpful for you. <laughs> so more for you and less less about me. Anyhow, I thought the best way to do that uh, was through an episode with actionables, per usual, you know. Uh, But I wanted to talk about what to do when you hit crisis mode. And when I say crisis mode, I mean a mental crisis mode. But before we get into that, I just wanted to remind you for... Those who have not, I encourage all listeners to find professional help. I know that it's difficult for some of us to find any coverage, but if you are able to, in any shape or form, whether that's coaching or a survivor group or personal therapy, I highly encourage you to take the time and the effort to find the right person or the right people to talk to. And it's absolutely important, especially in a survivor's journey. And also a friendly reminder that this is your journey. Take this at your own pace. You can stop and pause this when you need to, and this will always, always be here for you. So diving right back to it, what do I mean by crisis mode? I'm talking about a mental health crisis you're more tired or fatigued, it's difficult to motivate yourself, your usual coping strategies are not helping, and you're having more panic attacks, or maybe you're losing more weight or gaining more weight. Those are kind of signs and symptoms of having a crisis mode. And usually a crisis is, uh, a mental crisis is usually triggered by something that happens to you. Sometimes you might even experience burnout. So this can come up like intense headaches, having stomach aches or intestinal issues, emotional exhaustion, and uh, being less productive than usual. And before I dive into the actual actionables, I want you to remember that healing is not linear. And that's especially important when considering a crisis mode or when you are going through a crisis mode, because you are going to experience relapses here and there when you're going through a mental crisis. Um, So expect and be patient with your relapses. With that definition in mind, I am going to be talking about six steps for uh, how to manage your life in times of crisis or times of a mental crisis. So that's one, reevaluate, two, reprioritize, three, simplify, four, make a few goals, five, reflect, and six, 
replenish. And so in a nutshell, this episode is all about reprioritizing what you have on your plate, simplifying what you need to do, and ramping up the self-care and self-regulation. So let's talk about the first step. The first step is reevaluate. And this is the first step because the first step to any type of change or shift, at least I think, is awareness. It's taking a big pause and being aware of the current state of things or taking a pause and uh, taking account for everything that you have going on at that moment. And so I highly suggest taking a big pause. (laughs) I would say maybe one to two hours. And that might not be realistic for some of us. Some of us might have uh, very pressing schedules that are very um, that are very booked or very crowded, and maybe there's no uh, no way around having a one to two hour period just for yourself. Even if it's thirty minutes, I'd say at, at a minimum thirty minutes. Please take this time. It's so very important, especially in a time of crisis, to take stock of everything that you have going on at the time. And so when you take this big one to two hour pause or 30 minutes, if that's all you have, name the big and little things you are currently juggling and write them down. And so a personal example of this is this past July and August, everyone knows this, everyone has been going through the pandemic and everything that comes with it social distancing and not being able to be in contact with the people that we care about as often and trying to stay inside your home as much as possible. That has been going on during that time, but also um, family stressors. I was juggling a lot of Uh, domestic issues that was happening in my family. We were not living in the same state, um, but I have always been the middleman for as long as I could remember in my family. And uh, because my family was together at that time, I was was the one person that everyone had come to to ask for advice or to talk about things that had happened in the household. Some of that was the physical harm and some of that was just the difficulty of uh, communicating in a uh, in a household that normally has communication issues. That's as deep, I think, as I can get to fill you in, but still protect the privacy of my family members. Anyhow, that was happening. I was also going through work stressors. I was transitioning out of the military, and that involved a lot of paperwork, a lot of meetings, a lot of closing out my current project so that I could give it to someone else. Uh, It was a lot of 12-hour days. And then normal life stressors. (laughs) Moving out of state is already uh, a very, very stressful thing to do, and all of those things just was compounding upon each other. And um, it was those big things, but also the everyday things like taking out the dog or making sure I check in with my fiance or 
making sure that we had laundry taken care of, that we had dishes taken care of, all of those day-to-day, everyday things. So those were the big and little things that I was juggling. And so think about the things that you're juggling with and write them down. Every single thing that you can possibly think that takes time and include the personal time things, the things that you normally do for yourselves that you absolutely cannot live without. Put those down, (laughs) write those down on paper. And it's going to be important to write it down on paper or in a journal because it's helpful to visually see everything that you have going on. And then after you reevaluate everything that you are currently juggling, the second step is reprioritizing. And so to do that, we're going to go ahead and label the things with the following numbers. The things that are non-negotiables, label number one. The non-negotiables are taking care of your children, taking care of your parents, taking care of your spouse, maybe working, going to work, uh, therapy, counseling, time for your self-care or self-regulation. And yes, those are absolutely non-negotiables, especially for trauma survivors. And label the things that you can delegate with a number two. So that is child care, things like pet care, certain work responsibilities, certain housework responsibilities. And then the things that seem urgent but can wait and be rescheduled, label those with a number three. Those are the planned outings with others, or maybe it's a school project or work project. Maybe you can ask for flexibility during this time of crisis in your life without having to be detailed. This part of the process was a little bit more difficult for me because I feel like um, I really had to dig in deep and figure out what was the most important to me. There was just way too many things going on at once, and uh, there were it just seemed out of control. I didn't feel like I had my priorities aligned right, and it felt like a big mess. So I thought about it for a very long time, and it was very difficult uh, to come up with this, with, with my numbering. But the things that I labeled as my non-negotiables or my number ones were my military move and my transition, my preparing my belongings for the move, tending to my relationship with Jonathan and taking care of me and just overall healing. I did not want to let go of that. I was seeing a therapist at the time and I felt like I've started to make some really good progress and I did not want to let go of that. Second to that, the ones, uh, the the things that seem like non-negotiables, but things that I could actually delegate down were um, taking care of the dog, or any type of <laughs> any household chores, dishes, that sort of thing. And lastly, the things that I felt like needed to be put to the side, as difficult as it was for me, was the Relentless Project and my familial issues. I feel like 
putting away or deciding to put away the Relentless Project for a little bit was probably one of the hardest things, hardest decisions that I've made. I feel like I've made progress on the project and I I love making episodes for this podcast, but I felt like there was too much pulling at my soul, too much pulling at my mind and way too many stressors to be dealing at once. I felt like I was neglecting myself and I didn't feel like I was in the right place to give. And that was those are essentially the same reasons that I had for putting my familial issues or my, from, or my family to the side so that I could focus on myself and what I needed to do for myself and my fiance. When you look into your personal list, it is going to take the most time and don't feel like you have to come up with a numerical system right off the bat. It's going to be it's going to be tough. It's going to take some real digging deep. Maybe you'll need to take a pause in between to really think it through, but like deliberately think about the things that you have on your plate and realize that not everything can be a number one. Some things will have to be given a number two or number three, and that's okay. It's completely okay. It doesn't mean that you're putting it away forever. It just means that there are more important things uh, in the now that you probably need to take care of. So that was step two. Step three is simplify. So when you're in a mental crisis, your capacity to handle things are going to be decreased, and this is completely normal. And I chuckle because I just remember how frustrated I was during my time of mental crisis. I felt like I wasn't making any progress. I felt like everything was going down. Everything was falling down. But really, it just, this this mental crisis could be looked at as a way to signal a need for a shift or a need for a change in your life. So look at your list and figure out the things that you can pause, snip, or delegate. Look at the stuff that has decreased in priority and try to find ways to empty out your plate just a little bit more so you can focus on the things that you really need to do. Don't spend more energy feeding the fuel to the fire of your anxieties. I know it's so hard to do that. It really is. And I remember in my personal situation, I felt like I had to do everything. I felt like if I didn't do everything, it was a reflection of a failure on my part or a lacking on my part to be able to do something like that. Uh, I was discouraged because I felt like I had made so much progress in my own healing. And when I was faced with a mental crisis, I felt like, wow, if I can't face all of this, does this mean that I have not made progress in my healing? And I just want to stop you if that's something that you're thinking about. No, it doesn't mean that, it does not mean that you have not made progress in your healing. In fact, when you're going through a mental crisis, 
you'll probably relapse. And it might feel like you're not making progress, but you haven't altogether forgotten all of the things that you've learned over the years. It just means that things are too overwhelming for you. And we're human. And sometimes being human means relapsing or doing the things that we didn't realize that we had the potential to do again, but it just so happens that we're faced with something that's shaking up our balance in life. So when you pause, snip, and delegate things that have kind of fallen down on your list of priorities, be sure to communicate. I'm kind of walking you through how to communicate with yourself, but really when you come to terms with what your priorities are and what you really need and want to do, be sure to communicate with the people around you. You'll find that when you communicate with, when you clearly communicate with others during this time of your life, you might be surprised by how many people are so willing to support you. And Be willing to accept help, even if you don't normally feel comfortable doing it. And simplify what you can. Again, simplify your plate to below your means or your abilities because when you are burnt out or you're going through a mental crisis, your ability to process things will be a little bit more challenging. It will be a little bit more difficult. And so take that into account and be patient with yourself. Give yourself a little bit more wiggle room in, in between everything that you were, um, everything that you want to do, everything that you need to do. And so what did simplifying look like for me? Um, here's my personal example. I took a big pause from the, from the Relentless Project, obviously, and I really worked hard in trying to figure out the person that I wanted to be. And this was work that I did with my therapist, and she kind of helped me to develop boundaries around that person that I wanted to be. And I realized when I was trying to figure out the person that I wanted to be that I had kind of lost myself in the process of being in this crisis or being in this mental crisis. And so when I had figured out what my boundaries needed to be, I practiced my boundaries with my parents. I practiced them with my fiance. I practiced them at work. And I practiced them with myself. And I communicated all of my challenges with Jonathan, my fiance. I needed to make sure that he knew where I was coming from and that it was a hard time for me and um, that all, all of my irritation and my frustration and my anger and, emu- and my emotion wasn't coming out from nowhere. Simplifying meant letting go of perfectionism at work and finally giving up my responsibilities to the next person. I was hanging on for dear life. I was clinging on with my fingernails. I wanted so badly to finish pro- projects at work and I wanted I wanted it to be done exactly the way I had wanted it to be done. 
but I'd realized that the success of my projects would have to continue even with me being gone. So long story short, I needed to let go of that level of control and just give it to the next person. And simplifying meant focusing more time and energy on moving, transitioning, and caring for myself and my for my fiancé, for my dog, take, taking care of everything at home, the things that needed to be done. And after you simplify, I suggest you make a few goals. And that's step four. I make a few goals. And I mean it, a few. <laughs> Figure out what you need to accomplish and figure out what you want to accomplish. And based on those things, make a few goals. Don't make them too lofty. And then make half-sized versions of those goals that are more realistic and tangible. So if by chance you aren't able to reach your ultimate goal, there's still a sense of accomplishment when you reach the halfway point of that specific goal. And so going back to my personal example, some of my personal goals at the time were um, safely and successfully transitioning from active duty military to becoming a full-time student, taking care of my personal mental health and reestablishing my grounding routine, moving to the East Coast successfully, which meant a lot of paperwork, meetings, and checkboxes, and giving up my responsibilities at work to my replacement. And of course, I made half-sized versions of those goals. And I can tell you after the fact that while I did not do all of it perfectly, I did accomplish all of the things that I absolutely needed to do. And that's kind of the point is to reshift your focus, reshift your priorities so that you can spend your energy on the things that you absolutely need to spend your energy on and give your body and your mind space to come back to balance. And so step five is reflect. And this is not a one-time thing. This is a a frequent thing. Reflect on the progress of your mental and emotional well-being and write about it in a journal. Dedicate maybe 30 minutes to an hour of yourself each day or every other day, whatever whatever works for you. And you'll find that you will discover patterns and might even see different types of progress that you wouldn't otherwise know or have seen if you hadn't written it down. And I think that's what's so powerful about journaling. It was very difficult for me to dedicate that amount of time to writing, especially since I felt like I was so mentally exhausted each day from everything that I needed to do. But I found that with journaling, I was able to I was able to see progress and able to make way towards 
my goals. And it was a very simple process of journaling. When I absolutely loathed the idea of writing at the time, I would just, I would simply just write about what I would do again and what I would do different based on how that day went. And who knows, maybe if you start there, you just end up writing even more. And be honest with your journaling. Be completely honest. Don't hold yourself back. Don't feel like you have to be perfect about how you write things. Let yourself be angry. Let yourself be upset or sad. Take that time to reflect and really dig deep under what is going on underneath the surface. And six, which I think is most absolutely important, is replenish. Replenish your energy stores. Meditate or do the things that don't require much thinking, things you enjoy, things that help you to kind of turn your mind off in a way. And some of the things that I've I would suggest or what I consider slow hobbies. I don't suggest scrolling through social media. I don't suggest looking through Facebook. Those were the types of things that I would do uh, during a mental crisis and realize that it would just make my mental crisis even worse. And so some of the slow hobbies I would highly suggest are tending to houseplants Maybe it's working on puzzles, cooking, it could be writing, crafts, needlework, coloring, scrapbooking, music, even exercise. All of these things might seem to some people that they are a waste of time, but there's significant scientific evidence that show that these hobbies actually do make a tremendous impact on stress levels. It's important for us to replenish. And sometimes it feels like play. And what you'll find is it might help you reestablish ground in your mind and in your body without you even, even knowing it. And so, in conclusion, (laughs) the six steps that I basically went over to manage a mental crisis are one, reevaluate, two, reprioritize, three, simplify, four, make a few goals, five, reflect, and six, replenish. I want to thank you so much for listening. If there's anything that I've missed or anything that you'd like me to go over, please leave a comment or a message for this episode in the Instagram post for this episode at Relentless Joanna. My website is www.relentlesspodcast.com. I've been conflicted about whether or not to continue my Facebook page just because um, my relationship with social media has changed. And with that in mind, I will probably be focusing more on the Instagram and on the website. But nonetheless, 
I am going to do my best to use whatever is already existing um, and so that I could so that I can continue to bring this work to you. Again, thank you so much for your patience. I know it's been a long time since I've had an episode. I am wow, it's hard. it's crazy to think that I've already moved across the country with my fiance. The studio's already set up, the rooms are already set up. I'm in grad school. It's 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 kind of nuts. Um but I'm in a good place and I really do hope that I can continue bringing this to you. And with that, take care. And thank you for listening.